beaming from Pacific Junction Hotel to Earth. Girth. Hey, Sammy. Hey, is this Tony? Yeah, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you so much for taking some time to do this. I know it's been kind of hectic and you had the uh, premiere party and the launch of the new show and Luke Cage and all that stuff, so that's been really exciting. Yeah, it's a, it's been a whirlwind week. <laughs> yeah. What's your MO at parties, premiere parties? Are you kind of like hanging out by the chips and dip? Are you dancing? Um, well, considering it's in the middle of a work week, mm-hmm. we hadn't finished the show that we're currently on. Um, we, you know, we they showed two episodes, which was very exciting, and um, and then we went to a party at actually one of my favorite restaurants in Harlem, and um, you know, you get to speak to a couple people, hang out. Um, but I was kind of at the table with the costume designer and the set decorator and the production designer, you know, the people you feel comfortable with. And then seeing people that had left the show that weren't, that I hadn't seen in a while. So that was lovely. But, you know, at a certain hour, it became bewitching and I went home. All right. It's um, it's hard for people who've never been on set to, like, it is really becomes a family, especially something like a, long, a little longer like a TV show where you're seeing people over and over again. And for long hours. Long hours, yeah. But 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 uh, in in the sense of a family, uh, people that you depend upon. Um, there's no. I don't think any one person can stand up and say I am this show, other than maybe the showrunner. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, as the art director um, of the majority of Luke Cage, there's nothing that I that I do that you could point out and say she did that by herself. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm with a team, I'm with a production designer, a set decorator, a team of assistant art directors, a graphic designer, coordinators, PAs, you know, carpenters, grips, scenics, dressers, riggers. I mean, there's not one job, uh, not one person makes the set happen. Yeah. You know? You're an Avengers, basically, or Defenders, I guess, because <laughs> this is the uh, the Netflix series, right? Sounds good. Sounds yeah. good. <laughs> and you mentioned On the product. smaller scale. There you go. You mentioned the yeah. production designer. That's uh, Lauren Weeks. The yeah. set decorator is Allison Forling. Did I pronounce that right? Forling. Correct. That's correct. And then the graphic designer is Zachary Zerlin. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And then you are then the art director, right? Is that the official yeah. IMDb title and stuff? Correct. That's correct. So yeah. For, well, for Luke Cage, I did. I art directed the first eleven episodes, and I went up production designing the last two episodes. Nice. So what does that mean then in English for people who don't know or are not familiar? Because everybody's obviously seen, like, there's interviews and things like that with the actor, with the showrunner, all those kind of things. But for what you do and how you contribute to the show, what does that mean in English? Okay, so if I were to break down, I, okay, and for an undergrad, I studied architecture. I have a Bachelor of Architecture degree. From University of Southern California. Correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, I mean, I think what that, like, if everybody understands what that is, that's a person that, like, or they think of it like as a person that designed the buildings. Um, so if you think of it as, you know, if the production designer is, is concerned about the overall space, the overall idea, the overall visual for the entire film project, etc., the costume designer is concerned about the look of the actor, right? But the production designer is, look, is concerned about the look of the overall. Mm-hmm. So anything that you see generally speaking, is is based off of a conversation that that the director, the writer, the creator, the showrunner, the production designer, and, you know, the costume designer have had. Um, so the production designer oversees 
the visual. Underneath the production letter, you have the art director and the set decorator. The art director acts very much like an architect. Anything that deals with the walls, um, the construction of them, um, making sure they're on budget, on time, hiring the crews, making sure that they that they have everything on schedule. Lauren That's Weeks actually tweeted about one of the walls, the bathroom wall, I think, in, um, yeah. in Luke Cage, in his apartment or whatever. It's um, actually a chain link, like the belt that he used to wear back in the 70s. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. And that, so that's wallpaper. Yeah. That's the, that's the wallpaper in the bathroom. The wallpaper is actually purchased. So any wallpaper, any furniture, any tiles, any uh, floorboards, anything that is not wood mm-hmm. comes from the set decorator. And so Allison actually is a person, between Allison and Lauren, they picked out that wallpaper. And, uh, yeah, it's a great find. Anything that we can do that hint to, uh, first and foremost, um, the world of these characters of the superhero of Luke Cage um, that are Easter eggs back to either the origin story, the 1972 comic, um, or that are hints to other Marvel projects or future projects, you know, that Mm -hmm. we look for to do as much as possible. It also works too for the actors because like I've been on set before and you'll see sometimes I was in a house set and there was a whole pile of mail by the front door, which is just like everybody else's house. But they had like actual mail like to the characters and address to the characters and stuff like that. So for the actors too, it kind of gives them a nice little cue when they step into this world that now they're Luke Cage or they're whatever the actor is, right? Or whatever the character is. Well, I think, I think the difference between, um, between a, uh, you know, a set, um, and, uh, and a museum piece is that it, it, it's lived in. A set is, um, has a story that has to, to evolve. And in order for you to believe it, you have to understand that Luke Cage lived in that apartment, you know, only six months because the apartment that he was in before got blown up during Jessica Jones when the mm-hmm. entire bar got blown up. So you have to understand that there's history behind it, but we allude to certain elements to the future, you know? Um, so if you have something like, uh, in particular, Harlem's Paradise, which is this massive nightclub that's beautiful, but just like Harlem or like any place in New York City, you know, any place in New York City, it may be new and renovated and beautiful, but there, but the architecture may be really old. So you look at a place like Harlem's Paradise, which is a set on a soundstage, you know, but um, hopefully you think, you look at it and you feel like you're in a piece of nostalgia of, a, of what might have been a, a lounge or a nightclub in the Harlem Renaissance or a current day that's been renovated to, you know, for the current audience. Right. Um, but you walk in and the floors, hopefully, you know, that the designer wanted Toronto floors. Well, you know, on a, on a, um, on a television screen, you can't tell if they're real or if they're painted. Mm-hmm. So we painted a whole bunch of boards to make them look like terrazzo and, and when we laid them in one of the one of the marvel executives came in and he said why would you spend all this money on terrazzo and it just <laughs> speaks to the ability and the skill set of part of our family which are the scenics that are yeah. amazing it's like magician right it's not like he's actually cho- chopping the lady in half it's an illusion <laughs> yes it's what you it's what you see i mean if you Let's say you were to watch a scene, uh, I can't think of anything particularly as it relates to Luke Cage, but let's say you're watching a, a scene and it's like a, you know, a family and, and they're preparing breakfast on a Saturday morning and, the, and you know, one of the parents is frying up some bacon and they have some toast. And as you're sitting there watching, maybe your mouth are, are like watering because you want some bacon. 
and you, you, you can't smell through your TV, but your senses are heightened by the story that's being told, and it makes you fill in the blanks, hopefully, of you know what's happening, right? What you see, your eyes are helping you fill in the blanks of your other senses, and in case of baking your nose as well. <laughs> so, is it difficult shooting in? Uh, New York City because you did obviously some set locations uh, in New York City and like because New York City is kind of going through this gentrification and both Daredevil and Jessica Jones and even Luke Cage they need that kind of gritty dirty um, it's almost harkening back to like New York City when it had this, the uh, streetcar graffiti and all, all that kind of stuff is it difficult to find or to make those places look that dingy or is there still places and pockets in New York City that make it easy Excellent question. Here, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you a little uh, trick back. Um, on uh, um, on Daredevil, when we, yeah, Daredevil was our first show, Daredevil season one. And um, it was the first of these Marvel Netflix series. And um, when we first started, we kept saying, what is this Hell's Kitchen? Because if you were to come to New York City now and you went to Hell's Kitchen, which is a real neighborhood, a real place, it's not Hell's Kitchen um, that was the Hell's Kitchen that anybody would think of. Right. You know, Hell's Kitchen is, you know, a lot like a lot of places in New York, is shishi frou-frou with high ends and, you know, cupcakes that cost $10 a pop. <laughs> and, you know, you know what I mean? It's not it's not a place that I can afford to walk past. Yeah, you know? when the cupcakes are that much, it's like it's nobody's neighborhood. <laughs> exactly. You know, but it's not the Hell's Kitchen. It's not the dirty, gritty, grimy, rat-infested, you know, back alley. Um, Don't forget the junkies junkies exactly that uh, that's dreamed up in this comic book world and so yes we do have to come in and and um, everything is a, a little dirtier a little grimier a little um, you know we, we heighten reality it, it's not real a lot you know obviously we shoot in real places but we come back and we heighten reality of what, of what the experience or what the story that's being told a lot of people don't remember that Times Square used to be like porn shops and things like that like it wasn't Times Square wasn't a place where you would go and actually hang out. <laughs> it would be like a vampire movie. You gotta get out before sundown. Yeah, you gotta watch like Taxi Driver or something. Mm-hmm. Chopped. You know, a lot of a lot of films from the seventies uh, to see to see the dirty, gritty, you know, Times Square. And also knowing that uh, um, Hell's Kitchen is, you know, just a few blocks north and and west of Times Square mm-hmm. in an even seedier neighborhood. Yeah. You know, in a very, very specific, um, you know, one could say gang, in fe- not now, but, you know, in the time that, that might be referenced, much more Irish community, much more gang-infested, um, you know, um, in what's, uh, and very divided, very segregated. Um you know, we, we looked at a lot of films when we first started on Daredevil as reference to what this Hell's Kitchen might be. And the world that Lauren, uh, as the production that it created, was, you know, very, very, very specific along with Stephen tonight and um, the whole team about figuring out how to make this world that, as you say, is, you know, the $10 cupcakes does not exist. Yeah. What was the films that you guys watched? Was it The Guest Taxi Driver? You mentioned that one. Um, no. What You know, I have to... Um, there's a, you know, if I could put you on hold real quick, yeah. I'll go look on the shelf. Hold on, hold on one second. Yeah. Hold on. Okay, Sammy, of course it's not on the shelf, but I'm going to look it up because I know who was in it. Mm-hmm. I 
think we probably gave it to the designers when they when they came on to do Daredevil season two. Um, but it was it was Robin Wright film. I think let me look her up because I'm going to find it because it's a great film for reference actually. can move on it's okay i was just curious sorry no no it's fine i'm gonna find it I'm, i promise you but go ahead go ahead but you mentioned the word gritty a couple of times when we're talking about uh, old school new york city is that uh-huh. are you operating to like as a guideline with like certain buzzwords like gritty or dark or trashy something like that do you is that kind of how the communication breaks down between all the different departments that you're working with well it's interesting because it's um i don't want to how to Wait, hold on. I think I'm going to think it's State of Grace. Is that the name of the movie? That rings a bell. State of Grace. Okay. And that was what? John Penn, Ed Harris, Gary Oldman. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know this one. I've never seen this one. And that's what was the the reference for Daredevil, I guess, or for the old school New York City? I'm not going to say it's a reference for Daredevil, but it was one of the first films. We looked at a couple. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, we looked, you know, when we first start on all the shows that we do, we usually do the first two episodes together. So, you know, if you remember, in the second episode was the main hallway fight sequence. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we looked at Old Boy, we looked at Raid, and we looked at State of Grace, but we're kind of looking at a combination of different films for reference, not only in terms of style, but also in terms of fighting style and, you know, what <laughs> what we had to create. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and I mean, we've also seen, too, the... Um the fighting, just a little bit of a tangent, but the fighting is kind of evolved too from the way that they fight in Daredevil versus the way they fight in Luke Cage. Well, they're different. Yeah. Daredevil is, you know, he's a little guy. I don't want to say little guy, but in comparison to Luke Cage. No, we're all little guys compared to Luke Cage. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that yeah, guy, right. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. He's built like a house. Little guy. Yes, indeed. But the fighting style has got to be different. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, you, listen, we have some of the most amazing stunt choreographers um, on each one of these shows, and they're all different. Um, the only one that has been repeated is uh, Philip Severa, who did Daredevil season one and season two, which obviously it makes sense that he would come back mm-hmm. and do season two for uh, Daredevil. Um, but, they're, but they're different people. I mean, like, you know, Jessica Jones, she's not, there's nothing graceful about her. Right. And there's nothing trained about her as there shouldn't be. And Luke Cage, he's a big guy. So, you know, granted, he boxed, but, you know, he's not hes not going to be um, doing backflips and ninja moves or karate. That's not his style. And there's a, there's a different mentality, too, when you know your, your skin is like you can't be broken. So mm-hmm. you leave yourself open a little bit in a way that you wouldn't normally in a fight. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's a, well, you fight differently. I mean, the yeah. way that Dare, Daredevil senses his, his, you know, are heightened in it. You know, he's blind, mm-hmm. but um, he's able to to hear things coming or, or you know, hear from, you know, uh, down the street outside of a building. Yeah. You know, Luke Cage can't do that. Jessica Jones can't do that. You know, but Jessica Jones is strong and can lift up a car or do something. But, you know, none of these, none of these, um, quote unquote, superheroes or street level defenders or um you know they're not 
you know, none of them are putting on spandex and you feel like they're about to fly into the air. You feel like they're all kind of clumsy and they're kind of figuring their way out mm-hmm. and, and understand it, but they're, it's, it's not, it's almost more um, believable. Like you feel like you might run into this person, which is Yeah, you, it's very grounded just because it's just, again, that's why I think that they've linked all these characters in this kind of separate uh, Marvel universe, I guess, in a way. Because they're all very much street level. They're all kind of like, you can, it, they fit within this New York City that you guys are portraying. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, so, it's, um, it's a, you know, it, it, it different than, you know, any other superhero. Nobody's, nobody's flying through the air. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, but, it, but also, you know, even in the, even in the sense of, um, what's lovely about these series is that, uh, you know, you have, um, generally speaking, 13 episodes to develop a character, which a two-hour movie doesn't give you the grace or the, uh, the ability to afford. So it, it creates a much different type of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And just by the fact, mere fact that it's on Netflix, it allows the storytelling to be to become a 13-hour-long movie, right? Because you can watch it all in one sitting or you can watch it over a couple of days or you could, you know, watch yeah. once a week if you want to. But the story, the, the, the type of storytelling is much different. And then it's also the, the more adults. I mean, obviously, the, some of the language. There's some sex scenes here and there. Some, they get a little spicy. Um, so it's just like it's totally different. Uh, which is where like the Avengers movies, for example, right? Iron Man, Thor, all those ones are kind of more aimed at a more mainstream general audience. You want to pull in some kids sometimes too, right? Yeah. Well, the age the age bracket is different. Yeah. The rating is different. They don't get spicy no. in the Avengers movies. Huh, say it again. They don't get spicy in the Avengers movies. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. Um, it's you know my my nephews are allowed to see the the Avengers movies, but they're definitely not allowed to see these TV shows. Not until they get a little older. There you go. So I was asking you about the um if, how you communicate between these different departments and kind of create this look, and if there was certain um, buzzwords or themes like gritty, trashy, dark, etc. that you kind of like all use as a shorthand, so that when you find chain link wallpaper or something you're like that's it we got to put this in well it's interesting so so generally speaking everything that we buy or create is new and so it has to then be aged and you know if you want something to look as if it's been there for more than a minute you have to age there's different age levels so the scenics are the painters they're the ones that age things um, and, and between the designer and the, the charge scenic, they, they have a code of like, is it, you know, has it been there for 10 years? Has it, did it just get there last week? Is it, you know, am I aging it on a level of 10 to 1? Where, you know, what's the level? And so that's the, that's the main coding or, or buzz because anything that you buy, generally speaking, is new. Mm-hmm. But you just have to make it look as if it's not so new. And if you look at, if you just go back to like Nelson and Murdoch. Nelson and Murdoch was... Uh, you know their office and the office set that we created in, in season one, and if you would if you go back and you look at it, you know it's um, it's an old building inside of a you know a, a rather tenement building, rather typical New York City type building. Um, you know you you know that you're in this Hell's Kitchen neighborhood, and this this set that it's in it's, it has kind of disgusting carpeting and creepy old. Um, you know, kind of beautiful architecture with arches and stuff, but it's old and it's kind of run down. And, and the, if, I mean, you know, if there was ever a shot of the ceiling, there's tin, tin ceiling that's really old and kind of beautiful, but then it, you know, it has water leaks and pipes that, that have the paint kind of bubbling up, but as if it's been there and it's been, 
you know, there's a pipe that needs to be changed, but it, it hasn't been changed in a good 10 years. And maybe that's the reason why Matt's office kind of looks worse than Foggy's because Matt can't see it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so. The poor guy. Yeah, the poor guy. He's, yeah. I think he's okay. I yeah, he's all right. How is that experience then working between the three shows then? Like you you mentioned like obviously Matt and uh, Daredevil they have a kind of a certain look that they're going for Luke Cage like how are you balancing the the three shows or is there any consistencies between the three shows? It's an interesting question. I mean here here's what's really interesting about um uh Here's the here's the here's the the differences and the similarities between the three shows. So similarities first and foremost, Jessica Jones and and, and um, Daredevil take place in Hell's Kitchen primarily. All the sets are pretty much located in the neighborhood that we're creating is Hell's Kitchen. Um, Luke Cage is in Harlem. Luke Cage, the skin tone teaches where we have a, a, a massive amount of people of color um, with beautiful skin tones. What it does is it changes the background where you may put um, an actor that or actors that are of lighter skin tone or white skin tone up against a certain back tone, background. It may not look so good up against uh, an African-American person. And so finding the, the balance and understanding that and understanding how things change when you move, you know, when you move uptown, you move to Harlem, you move uptown, things become more colorful. The palette's more colorful. Even the costume design, even the costumes are much more colorful. And so, it, you know, understanding that how that palette might change, how the production designer, how Lauren Meeks and Stephanie Maslansky, the costume designer, um, have had to open up that palette by just moving uptown to Harlem. It's, a, it's an interesting and lovely change for them to explore. I want to pick up on that because you mentioned, obviously, that it's set in Harlem. Uh, Luke Cage is obviously a prominent African-American um, superhero. Uh, you're a black woman like uh, a lot of key creators for this for Luke Cage are uh, black people is it like is there a pressure I guess is, I'm not even sure that's the right word but is there a pressure to kind of get it right or to convey this kind of black experience or this I, I don't even know how to put it but you know what I'm getting at I, I totally I, I don't think that there's a pressure I felt that there was an excitement an elatement to have it um, it's the first time that I read a script where I saw somebody that looked like me when I read, when I first read the first episode of Luke Cage, um, I got the script a little early. Shh, don't don't print that. Um, but I read it probably we were probably like only on like episode six of Jessica Jones, and I was ecstatic. I was like, oh my god, there's a kid, there's a black woman on this, mm-hmm. you know, reading Misty Knight, and and being elated. I went up to um, Kareem Zrik, who's one of the Marvel executives, and this is before I think even Simone was cast, and I was like. I think I should play Misty. I'm not an actress. <laughs> yeah. No acting ability. I'm not drop dead gorgeous like Simone. You know what I mean? Like it's just. But I was. I became like a six year old little girl. Like I finally read a character that I can relate to. And it makes when you read something, when you see yourself in the world, you become much more interested. When you don't feel like you're an afterthought or, oh. We need a person of color, so we're in the hospital set. Let's just throw a Chinese doctor mm-hmm. down that hallway. Y- y- you know, it's nice when you're not an afterthought, when you're actually in a character that's developed, that's written by African Americans. Um, that's you know, and not and not to say that like it's exclusive. That you know, there were writers of different colors and shades, and there were women and men. But when when you see yourself, it, it becomes a, a different. Uh, it's a different. Um, how can I put it? Um, 
not process, but it's a different. Um, is it a connection almost? Responsibility, or? different responsibility. Different response. That's what I was going for. Yeah, different responsibility. Yeah, and it's weird because it's something that, like, you know, I think in theory white people can get, but they don't get until it's pointed out. And the, to understand that, like, you know, when you say a certain such and such person is a man, it's assumed that they're white. If you say, otherwise you say they're Chinese man or they're black man or they're, you know, they're a Mexican man. And, and you know, and why is that? That shouldn't necessarily be the case. Mm-hmm. But that is, and that's the way that the world is. And unfortunately, that's the way that particular America is. Um, and uh, it's unfortunate. But so based off of that, when I first read Simone or Misty Knight, I was doing backflips. <laughs> like completely doing backflips. Yeah. Nice. I asked you over email, and because um, you'd worked obviously on Jessica Jones, uh, Daredevil, Luke Cage, but even before that, you worked on uh, Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes. Like you've, d- I, I asked you over email, are you a nerd? And so I'm gonna ask you here, are you a nerd? Is that you? Well, have- hey, could you could you give me the definition of a nerd? Let me ask that. How about? Uh, all right, there we go. All right. Um, I guess you you have these kind of nerd leanings where you're interested in kind of like superhero. I don't even know what you classify Sherlock Holmes, but just kind of like uh, science fiction, adventure, action. Um, but of like kind of like almost a pulp variety. There you go. That's how I'm gonna go with it. Okay. Here's what I will say. What you got? I if that's the if that's the, if that's the definition of nerd, then no. I will say no. Then but here's what I will say. What do you got? That I, the projects that I've worked on and have been blessed, I have to say that truly, have been blessed to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, early on in my career, um, I will say, um, except for one or two projects, I did anything that was that was asked of me because I needed experience. Um, and I needed people to know me. When you don't know anybody and you don't have any opportunities, you, you say yes to everything that's given to you. And you do it. Now, at this stage in the game, I am looking for families. It goes back to the, how we started. Mm-hmm. When you spend six, eight, ten months, or as I've been now, almost three years with the same people, you want a good family. I want the story to be good. I want to be entertained by it. But I also want a good family. Um, one of my good friends, he's, he's actually the associate pastor in my church, and he told me the story when he was in college he, he's actually he studied acting and one summer maybe like his junior year he um got a job working as a as a roofer and i'm literally my friend is he's probably like five six you know um kind of short and stocky sweetheart good heart great storyteller but not a construction worker mm-hmm. not the builds not the you know and i'm like what are you talking about you roofed you were like a roofer and he said tony here's the key it was summers it was hot you're on a roof for eight hours who do you want to be on a roof with for for eight hours you want to be on a roof with somebody that's a good storyteller and that's a hard worker and that's me and so every project that i've been on it's a roof and when you're with i've worked with this is my now i'm starting my fifth or sixth project with born weeks and the 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 graphic designer, Zach Zerlin, was my student at NYU 12 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, I have a team of people that I work with that I love. The, the scenic, the charge scenic, Pat Walker, Patricia Walker, um, was 
on the second union film that I ever did. I was on Mona Lisa Smile when I was a kid. And she was the charge on it. And she remembers me when she looks at me and she's like, you're a kid. Now mm-hmm. she looks at me like I'm, as I'm a kid. But, you know, she, she um, you know, these are people that, like, I grew up, I get older with, and I want to hang on the, hang out on the roof with. It's going to be a hot summer day, which means that conditions are not always right. Sometimes it rains, sometimes it snows, but guess what? We're going to be on the roof together. And that's that's how I look at projects, not necessarily always about the content, but always about the people that are going to be on the roof with me. That comes through in when you watch the Netflix shows, like the Marvel Netflix shows. You can sense that there's something... It's a little different than some of the other TV shows and things that you watch. And it's not just based on the plot or anything like that. It's that family vibe that you're talking about. It comes through. Good. Good. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. How do, how, like, how, how do you think, or how do you equate that? Like, how do you see that? There, there's, a, there's a purpose. The way that the, even when you see the actors doing like interviews and things like that, there's a purpose. The way that they, they carry themselves, the way that everyone's kind of executing on the show, you can t- see even like just the actors um, are more aware uh, of how they're, what they're doing. They're making, trying to make really good choices. And I'm not suggesting that other people just kind of sleepwalk through their shows or anything, but there's like, it was what you were saying a little bit earlier. Sometimes you just need a job, sometimes you just need uh, to get to pay the rent or something like that. So you take certain things. But there, there's, there's definitely a, like a presence or like a family, like a gang. Yes, yes, very true. Because we only look in- internally because we just want to make the world that we create that much better. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, so I just want to, and you mentioned uh, Zachary. I just want to kind of finish off with this. Then, so you're teaching at NYU. Um, you're working with the next generation of, uh, I guess, designers, or what are what kind of students are they? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I teach in the, the drama department. I teach the undergraduate design students, um, and I teach, basically, it's a fundamental design class, so I teach, um, I teach, I have costume designers, lighting designers, sound designers, and scenic designers, and stage managers. So they are basically the support team for, I mean, the only thing that's missing from that are the playwrights and the actors. So I teach everything but the playwrights and the actors, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's about creating an environment, creating a space. That's what we do. That's, you know, that's what we do for a living. So. Thank you so much for taking some time to hang out and uh, explain to me what you do for a living. No problem. I'm excited. Thank yeah. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you.